the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I, as always, have a jam-packed show for you tonight. But first, we have a very special guest joining us on the line. Larry, would you like to tell our listeners uh, about who we have the privilege of speaking with tonight? Sure, Wendy. Pastor Usama Dakdak was born in Egypt and grew up in a Christian home. While in government schools in Egypt, he learned about Islam just as every other student does in a Muslim country. Usama also studied for a university degree in Egypt, which included the study of Sharia, Islamic law. He first came to America in 1992. And with all his knowledge about Islam, he felt he could reach out to the Muslim people in America with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thus, he began the straight way of grace ministry. But today we want to talk to Usama about another topic. We want to hear about what Pastor Usama witnessed firsthand while attending the Trump rally in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. There are many unknowns. Who was Ray Epps, for example? He's the one caught on many uh, video recordings of urging people to go inside the Capitol, yet he was not prosecuted. Also, Nancy Pelosi's hiding a lot of the January 6 tapes, and they have to go to court to try to get those. So welcome to the show, Usama. We're so happy to have you here. Could you tell us a little bit about your uh, experience there in Washington, D.C. back on January 6th? Absolutely, Brother Larry. Thank you for having me. And thanks, Sister Wendy, for having me as well. Uh, it is a quite experience for me because I've never been shot on or been close to bullet flying except on that one day, January 6th. Uh, and I did not know the extent of it until later as I talked to some of the FBI reporter or, or what do you call this, agents, those who answered the phone, who told me that what happened to me it did not just happen to me, but happened to many other people. And neither the media or our politician will say anything about the other side. So all what we know about January 6th is those who attack the Capitol, those who enter the Capitol. By the way, I know of a friend of mine who is actually welcomed to the Capitol by the policeman who said, come on in. And she was later, later was beating. Her name is Victoria. And maybe I would like you to have her as, as well on your show. And she have a trial coming up in February. And she was beaten with, a, with this a piece of steel by the police. Uh, I don't know how many, 24 times, 28 times. She can tell you the right number. And uh, here we go. We know about one side, but not the other side. But I'm glad that you have allowed me to come to share quickly what happened on that day. Uh, when I was down below the Capitol and I saw the riots, uh, by the time we walked from where the President uh, Donald Trump was giving his speech to the Capitol, everything was already done. Literally, within these 20-some uh, minutes, 
uh, that tackles already have, which means it's literally what happened did not have too much relationship with what he was saying in the last uh, uh, few minutes of his speech when you go walk peacefully to the Capitol. Let your voice be heard. But when I saw the smoke and the uh, riots and everything, I decided to leave. So I got a bunch of my friends and said, I'm going back to my car, which was parked on Third Street from the Capitol when you turn left. Anyway, I got the right address if you're interested from the police report. So when I went there, some gentleman was throwing rocks on my uh, buddy uh, 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 who was sitting. Uh, my, his car was next to my car. And his truck, he's from North Carolina. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, his name is uh, uh, Hoyle, Brother Hoyle. And he uh, he was not there. I saw those. I ran outside. I said, hey, hey, what are you doing? Why are you throwing rocks? What if these rocks, you know, break my glass or something like that? They uh, kind of got a little bit uh, uh, away from the from the vehicle as other men start showing up. But they went across the street, which is this lean, uh, two lane and media in the middle. And then as I'm sitting there in my car here, here's zip. And some rock broke my glass. So I was a little bit upset because now here's this show rock and broke my glass. I walk across the street and I was about to talk with him. And I realized these are not just kids. These are grown up men, obviously all masks and all have the head cover. So I could not figure out those short men, a good 10, maybe 12 of them. And as I was walking across the street, they are coming to me physically to attack me. They're not running away from me like what happened a few minutes ago, but they're literally about to attack me. On that moment, it's like, uh-uh, what have, I, what have I done? I'm not a fighter. I'm not a, a guy who starts a fight. So I'm kind of hesitant what to do. I'm halfway to meet with them. And then the Lord sent two men, two men whom I don't even know, who ran across the street to somehow to protect me. Well, they walk all the way to a small tiny tree, maybe six, eight inches. And I was behind the tree when all of them went, to the other side, so I could not see them. But on that moment, I have my 911 call was recorded. The lady uh, answered the phone, and she said, what's happening? I said, some people threw rock on my car, and my window was broke. And she said, well, I will send you a police. Where are you at? While I'm talking with her, now we hear pop, 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 bunch of other bullets. She said to me on the phone, is this shot bullets? I said, yes, ma'am. Anybody hurt? I said, I don't know. I was afraid even to look around the other corner because I literally ducked under the tree, both my hand over my head. So I stood up, and after the bullet was stopped, and I quickly just glanced in the corner, and I found my friend, one of those two guys, who I do not know, was shot in his left leg. Now, she, I said yes. She said, is he wounded? I said yes. Is he bleeding? I said yes. Within less than a minute, there's a helicopter above us, two fire truck, eight or so, 10 policemen uh, cars were there. And they taped everything with the white, yellow tape, the police, whatever they do. And then the policeman came to me, the FBI investigator, and I told him about what happened. So I'm taking him to my car. He said, oh, don't touch the car. I said, why? He said, because we need to uh, uh, discover the bullet or uh, whatever word he used. To, we have to get the bullet out of your car first. I said, what bullet? He said, do you see that hole in your windows? I said, yeah. He said, that's a hole of a bullet. I said, I saw this throw rock on me. He said, no, that's not a car. We have to retrieve. The word he used is retrieve the bullet. I said, okay. I stood there for two hours, and they came to me, and they said, we already caught one. And then in the report, they said they caught two. Well, I waited for two hours. The purview has already started. I was supposed to be leaving there. He said, no, you got this piece of paper he gave me that I was, you know, in, in, 
uh, under the police uh, order to stay. And then after two hours, he said, you can go. I said, wait a minute. He did not retrieve my bullet. He said, that's okay, just leave. So I left. I waited two, three months to get the report and nothing happened. And I waited another month, I kept calling, calling. And then one gentleman answers the phone for me and he said, well, we will send you the report by email. Can you receive by email? I said, sure. So he sent me the report and the report said, damage in the car, less than a thousand dollar. Thank you, uh, arrested to blah, blah, blah. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Why you did not put in the report everything happened on that day? I said, where is the guy who was shot? I said, I would like to uh, call him or get to know him because I want to thank him. He literally got shot because he was protecting me. What's his name? He said, we cannot give you his name. I said, do you know who he is? He said, yes. I said, ask him to call me. Give him my number. Give him my name. Tell him, brother Yusama, whom you literally put your life online to protect him. He want to thank you and never heard back from them. So I called back again for the big report. Yes, we're working on the big report. And I said, when this big report will be out? Well, it doesn't matter really because we're not going to send it to you. I said, so this is, I said, have you filed charges against this 10 people or 12 people who did what they did on that day? And his answer was, well, uh, well, the, the state attorney there in Washington, D.C. choose not to file charge against these people. And I was so mad because now it's been five, six months since I'm waiting to hear what's going to happen to these people whom they arrested. And I found out from him, I said, is this the only case happened there? He said, no, there are plenty of other cases. And yeah. I said, have anybody ever talked about these cases? And he was quiet. I said, sir, are you a Democrat, liberal? You're not going to answer my simple question because I do not know where is my report. I will never know what happened to me. And now you're telling me that there are many cases and nobody talk about it. All I hear is the wacko uh, Trump uh, racist, white racist, who went and attacked the Capitol. But I never hear about all these attacks on other people like myself. And he said, well, this is what the case is, and there's nothing can be done for it, and we're not going to... He cannot talk to me on the phone about it. Anyway. You know, well, Pastor Usama, I thought we were having you on to talk about you having a ministry that reaches out to <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Sister, I, this is the short story about why. When I was there, I was actually passing two, two tracks. One like this one, that's called The Straight Way to Eternal Life which is a very powerful uh, uh, gospel message. And in it, we, uh, we talk about how Muslims uh, can get saved and uh, come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. It's a very powerful uh, uh, 24 small booklet. I wrote it specifically to minister to the Muslim people. And we have another one, is a red one, which is the, violence, the true violence about Islam, where in it we share all the hateful verses of the Quran and the hateful teaching of Muhammad in the Hadith. I, that's what I was doing all day in Washington, D.C., as we hear hundreds and hundreds, that's thousands of these. Okay, so that's days. so that's why you were there. That's why that's what I thought. Um, yeah. you know, I was not there to protest. I was not there to even hear the right. speech of the president, because if I want to hear the speech, I can go on TV and watch it comfortably. <laughs> here in Missouri. So. That's right. So we've had many, um, you know, uh, Larry's involved in property management uh, as well. And I know that he's had Muslim tenants over the years and. You know, we, we, he and I both sort of wonder, um, what is the most effective way that you found to share your Christian faith? Um, when, not, when, we, when we share the truth about Christianity, or the truth about the gospel, which is the good news for the free salvation to the Muslim people, as we talk to each, each and everyone here in America, those from Baptist background or Catholic background or Presbyterian background who are not true Christian, it does not work. 
knocking at the door of the Muslim and sharing the good news as you and I will do it to anybody else, it will not work with the Muslims. Why? Pastor, we're going to have to have you back to talk more about that because we're at our break. So I wish we could have gotten into that a little <laughs> bit fine. more. Uh, it, but, it's, um, it's a very, very important question. No, we, want to thank you for, we want to thank you for joining our show. And to our listeners, please stick around for the second half. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. Wendy Patrick and Larry Dersham here, and we have a great second half for you. So don't touch that dial. We will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. So we have been following the news of the last six weeks, uh, and there seems to be one trial that's really dominated many others, and it's kind of like the same week of testimony uh, rinsed and repeated week after week. And yes, I'm talking about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, and that was really hard to listen to. It was really hard to listen to the inner workings of such a toxic relationship. Um, You know, if anything, I know that it inspired a lot of us to sort of look around to see who our friends and family members are dating and making sure nobody is ending up with somebody that brings out the worst in them. But that's not really what the case was about. It was supposed to be about whether or not there was domestic violence in that relationship, because if the answer was yes, then it wouldn't be defamation for Amber Heard to have talked about that in the 2018 op-ed, which, of course, was the um, basis for Johnny Depp's defamation claim. But the jury didn't find that. They basically found that uh, uh, Johnny Depp was defamed by Amber Heard. They awarded him $10 million in compensatory damages, $5 million in punitive damages, which, of course, was reduced to Virginia's statutory cap, of $350,000. But, you know, on the other hand, Amber Heard was also awarded by the same jury $2 million in compensatory damages in her counterclaim against Johnny Depp's lawyer, actually, for saying that uh, she was lying about the allegations. So you might think that's sort of confusing, and you might wonder whether, well, is that just kind of like a pox on both of your houses? But, you know, for, for many of us that watch a lot of these legal cases unfold and you know larry and i both do you know defamation is something that you can file even if you are a celebrity obviously it's more stringent you have to prove actual malice there's a higher standard but nonetheless this is a verdict that um, may have given according to johnny depp may have given him his career back because remember he alleges that he lost his leading role in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Remember he was Captain Jack Sparrow because of Amber Heard's allegations. But Larry, one question I know a lot of people are asking themselves is, is that really true? Yeah, I I think he's going to be getting his career back. Uh, It's pretty much totally in his favor. Now the question is, will she be able to come up with that, uh, $10 $10 million in compensatory damages and the $350,000 for punitive damages. Now, of course, we know, and I think she's already announced this, or maybe her law team has announced that they're going to be appealing this uh, verdict. But it is, it is so fascinating uh, that, yeah, just with these allegations that people can um, 
be really hurt. Uh, we've kind of drifted uh, as a society to the point where it used to be innocent until proven guilty. But now with all the news coverage, like 24 seven, it's almost like, at least in the mind of the public, guilty until proven innocent. So I think that this may have a dramatic effect, not just a celebrity trial, Wendy, but I think this Me Too movement may be uh, going through a correction. Now, there's lots of cases where males are very abusive uh, to women, and they should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, but we're all human, and we're all capable, not Hopefully not many of us do it, but of lying. So I'm just kind of glad that maybe this is going to say, you know, if you're not telling the truth, and I don't care what, if you're a male or female, if you're not telling the truth, it should come out in the trial and you should not win your case by making false allegations. So to go to your original question, I think he's going to get his career back. And this actually may be an incredibly, uh, incredible career boost for him. You know, Larry, you choose your words so carefully, and I know it's it's because you're a man of God and the Holy Spirit is always helping you because you talk about some very provocative subjects on the show. Um, but one of the reasons that this is one of them is because we as a society, we're very sensitive to domestic violence. And we, I mean, it, we absolutely tolerate zero domestic violence as a society. But you correctly point out that the question in this case is not what do the jurors think about domestic violence, but was it present here? Because remember, had they found even one instance to have been substantiated, at least in their minds, it wouldn't be defamation because truth is a defense. So that's one of the the kind of head scratching um, results from this trial, because remember the trial in the UK against the Sun, that trial really went the other way. The, you know, the court did find there was domestic violence. So, you know, it, obviously it's one of those insidious, invisible, horrible crimes that goes on beyond closed doors. We don't really know about it until way after the fact, and even sometimes not even then, unless there were some sort of injuries that were documented. But the question that this uh, this jury looked at is whether or not any of that was true. I have to tell you, one of the questions I've been asked is, why Virginia? You know, why was a couple that lives in Hollywood, by all accounts, why did they um, file in Virginia? And obviously, you probably know that part of that has to do with the anti-slap uh, statutes in different parts of the country. And the Washington Post, which is where the op-ed was penned, it is true that its printing press and online server are in Fairfax County, although it's not named as a defendant in the case. But, you know, Johnny Depp's lawyers even said one of the reasons they filed it in Fairfax County is because Virginia's anti-slap law is not the same, is not as broad as the one in California. And by the way, slap stands for strategic lawsuit against public participation. And these are lawsuits that, um, you know, are, are oftentimes um, really interpreted differently in different states. Herd's lawyers sought to have the case moved to California, where uh, the it may have been more of a matter of public concern. It probably would have been looked at very differently. But I don't think that it at all takes away from really the, the main allegations in the case, 
which, although it wasn't a criminal case, were about domestic abuse. Yeah, and also there's a First Amendment involved. So what the jury said was that, yeah, you do have a First Amendment right to say things about people unless you say something that is false, that injures someone's reputation and causes damages to them in their industry, which in this case would be the acting industry or the movie industry. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting also, Larry, people have wondered, well, you know, who were these jurors? It was a jury of five men and two women. They deliberated for 13 hours over three days after having sat through six weeks of testimony. Now, you can imagine, I mean, it wasn't like six weeks of the exact same testimony again and again, but there was some corroboration. There was some instances where there was a lack of corroboration. But one thing that both sides have been very clear about, as has the judge, is there's no indication they didn't take their jobs very seriously. You know, as awful as some of that testimony was to, to listen to, this is our jury system at work, and this is why we have juries that listen to defamation cases. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting that we are talking about a defamation case in connection with what's going to happen now in terms of both of these actors and their careers. Because a lot of people that followed this case over the last six weeks aren't convinced that either side has advanced the interests of their career by airing all of this dirty laundry. And then, of course, there's another school of thought uh, that would echo what Mr. Depp said right after the verdict. Thank you for giving me my life back. Right. Whereas Amber Heard made a statement to the effect of, "I'm, you know, women's voices need to be heard. And this is a disservice for women that are speaking at it against domestic violence. Again, I go back to the very first uh, statement I made is this is a very sensitive, tricky issue that was sort of packaged in the kind of lawsuit you wouldn't necessarily expect when we're talking about toxic domestic relationships. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and if I could segue a little bit, Wendy, to the uh, another topic I wanted to get to really quickly. <clears throat> it's about the Uvalde shooting, which is a terrible, terrible tragedy. But I have this, there's a saying in, in the law, it says hard cases make for bad law. So we're aware of the Robb Elementary School, that shooting that took place uh, last month, and all the damage it did. But do you take away everybody's right, including the Second Amendment right, to own and use guns responsibly? And remembering also the fact that it was a border patrol, an off-duty border patrol, that finally brought the gunman down and saved a bunch of lives. And without the ability to have a gun, it would have been much worse. And what is interesting, too, is the huge response that's happened. Canada, for example, uh, this week, Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau announced there will be no more sales of handguns in Canada. Now, it was interesting, in the Uvalde event, he used something that was similar to an AR-15, if not an AR-15, it's a rifle. And yet, uh, in Canada, they're going after the handguns. And, of course, Biden yesterday delivered a speech, uh, not yesterday, but on Thursday about he wants to pass gun control law, citing the Buffalo, New York, uh, uh, terrible shooting, the Uvalde, Texas shooting, and the one that just occurred in Tulsa, Oklahoma as well. And uh, he wants to ban the uh, assault weapons, although it's not very defined what that is, and limit the capacity of, of magazines as well. Well, in the U.S. House of Representatives, they've already considered a bill. It's H.R. 7910, Protecting Our Kids Act. And a Democrat there, his name is Montclair 
Jones has said that we are going to get gun control. We are going to take away your guns from you. And if we have to end the filibuster to do that, if we have to expand the court, pack the Supreme Court... Or forget the Constitution, we're going to do that. So that's what we're looking at. So we need to hold on to that precious Second Amendment, Wendy. Yeah, you know, and um, just very delicately, I think that um, the president probably read something out of a teleprompter because he did then attempt to sort of expand what he meant by saying the Second Amendment was an absolute um, by talking about, you know, gun control restrictions. Not everybody can have guns. And obviously there's time, place and manner restrictions to who can and can't be armed at different times at different places. So um, interesting stuff. I, I, I hate to say we're going to be talking about it again, especially when it comes to gun control legislation. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We are so glad that you joined us, and we hope you will continue the conversation with us next weekend. Join us again for more Today with Dr. Wendy. God bless you, and have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.